This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bucknutters. It is Tuesday, and the face you see there is not Dwayne Long. We've changed things up. That is the lovely visage of pro football folks' Anthony Tresh. He's here today to answer a ton of questions on the Buckeyes. We've got a whole list of things to go through. As we said, those of you watching on the YouTube, on the Book of Face, or Twitter, please smash the like button, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Like we said, we've changed things up a little bit. Normally, Tuesdays have been Dwayne Long's territory forever, but through a variety of reasons, we're now going to mix it up. Our first new guy that we brought in here is Anthony Tresh from Pro Football Focus. He's in Cincinnati. He's ready for the shrapnel. Anthony, how goes it? It's going well. We're a few weeks out from football season, and when you're talking football, it doesn't matter if we're talking Tulane or Ohio State. I'm psyched up, but specifically with Ohio State. I mean, a lot of intrigue, obviously. I think they're a top ten, top two team nationwide. So I'm ready to dive into them. So Anthony is works for Pro Football Focus. And before we get started, Pro Football Focus has kind of uh, grown in the last decade or so to be kind of a main staple of those who follow football. It's kind of the analytical side, the more behind-the-scenes side for those who like a, a more detailed bite at the apple. Kind of explain to people what you do there, and then the project we're going to talk about today that you worked on is you ranked the top 25 players in college football at every position. Shocker, the people on this show are going to be interested in a certain few, where they rank, where they don't, and we'll go into that. But first, you have a couple interesting distinctions in the way you rank people, so kind of talk about what you do there and then this specific project. Yeah, I mean, I could talk hours about what we do here at PFF, um, but at least for my main responsibilities, I'm the lead college analyst here. So I handle all the, you know, all the college content stuff that you see put out there, all the final rankings that that are also sent to teams. And that, that's kind of where I handle all of that. But then I also do some behind the scenes stuff that I can't talk too much about, um, but working with other business partners, um, mainly with the broadcast networks and you know, when I have time, kind of apply whatever I can to that area. Um, so that's kind of the, the general synops- synopsis of what I do here. Um, but in general PFF, you know, for those who don't know, we're contracted out to every NFL team, every Power 5 program, almost every single FBS program now, um, you know, owned by Chris Collinsworth. Um, and what we do, we provide analytical services. And, you know, a lot of people think that it's just the the premium stats that they can get and subscribe to over at PFF.com. But there's an entire database, you know, that, that are for the teams, um, you know, really premium stats. is just a couple percent of what we really have to offer here at PFF. And that's where the teams come in and we can marry in the tape with the data um, to make it a little bit easier for them. So when they're back in the day, you know, you'd cut the tape, you have these guys working all these crazy hours. Now we can do it in seconds. So that's the good thing about our database. It helps me in my day-to-day job and helps me when I'm formulating these rankings every year for college football. It's one of my favorite times of the year, the couple of weeks where I get to sit down and really focus my time on that. Um, and, you know, I put out a top 10 after the, a little early top 10 after the 2021 season and after, after the national title game, and then extended that list to top 25 and top 50 for the quarterbacks, you know, top returning players at every position should have mentioned that. Um, so yeah, they do a variety of stuff, but that's kind of the general thing, what we do here at PFF and what I do. So for the rankings you have that we're going to discuss today, there's an important distinction on there that these are not NFL projections. So can you go into, obviously you're using the evaluations are based on film and you guys have access to all the tape. 
the coach's tape, I might add. And then you go from there. Talk about the distinction. Uh, what criteria are you using to rank the guys if it's not the NFL? Uh, it's not a projection of their talent long term. I assume that means just how you think they're going to perform this year, um, which is going to be important because the first one we're going to start off with is going to put the tide against my friend here. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I tell everybody this with these rankings, I form, formulate this list off of if I am an average FBS team and I get to pick anyone at a certain position, who am I picking in what order? So, you know, it's not necessarily in the case of Ohio State. Like CJ Stroud is perfect for Ohio State and what they need to do. But if I'm an average FBS team, right, let's say, um, I don't know, let's go. Minnesota, Purdue. I think Purdue. I well, I like Purdue. I think they're a little. All right, more. Minnesota. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Minnesota. I think they're kind of above average too. But yeah, if I'm one of those two programs, who am I taking? Right, in what order? Um, that's how I formulate all these lists, and I think that can kind of get lost in there because a lot of people just you know kind of look at how they're performing in a certain situation, but not not all situations are equal, right? So that's the way I kind of do it, and you know the pro projection aspect of it, like you know. Grayson McCall, for example, Coastal Carolina quarterback, he's a top 10 quarterback in this ranking, but when it comes draft time next year, somebody may give him a look, but he's not going to be a highly regarded prospect. He's just good at what he does there. And I think you can build an offense around him if you are, you know, say in this situation, an average FPS team, you can build something around his skill set, very mobile, you know, he fits that triple option offense, but he also has a very accurate arm that can hit those downfield throws to take the top of the defense, really stresses him, right? So, I mean, that's why he's a top 10 guy there. But, you know, obviously in, in the NFL, it's going to be a little bit different there. Um, so that's how I formulate all these lists. Okay, let's start at the top. Um, the top quarterbacks you ranked. Number one, Bryce Young from Alabama. Number two, Caleb Williams of USC. I think there are plenty of people who could accept those arguments. Number three. Spencer Rattler of South Carolina, number four, C.J. Stroud. So based on the criteria you just laid out, I don't think there's any – I think it's fair to say there's no NFL team that would pick Spencer Rattler tomorrow over C.J. Stroud. I think as of right now, as we sit here, the NFL draft we think is going to be between Stroud and Young. Now, obviously, there's usually a couple guys who can pop up in this year, but generally speaking, that's the vibe right now. You have Rattler who – ostensibly flamed out at, at uh, Oklahoma in the number three spot. So kind of go through your criteria and why you have CJ at number four. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's less about me. Like I like CJ Stroud. Like I think he's a great quarterback. I think he should be a, considered a first round prospect right now. If we're talking pro projection stuff, um, it's, it's less about me not liking him for some reason, like fourth out of one thirty. That's, I mean, that's 97, 98% tile. Sure. That's one of the best in college football. I think there's a clear, distinct tier with those top four guys. And I think there's a little bit of a gap there. Number five being Sam Hartman. And that goes back to the whole, you know, pro projection stuff. Sure. Again, I think you can build something around the skill set, but for the NFL, maybe not so much. But I mean, the, the difference between those two, Rattler and Stroud, it, it's more about Spencer Rattler just being incredibly underrated, in my opinion. Um, I mean, if he's at 127 other FBS programs last year, he's a starter from start to get, right? And Who's to say that this season continues to go the way it was? And honestly, it wasn't going as bad, right? I mean, this was a team that was trying to win the national title. This was still a good football team that hadn't lost the game yet. And when Spencer Rattler was starting over the last couple of years for him, what were the 15 and two? They won a Big 12 championship. I mean, I mean, what more could you ask for, really? I mean, he's actually our highest graded quarterback in our database since 2020. Um, and, and really, again, the difference between the two, why I would take Rattler over Stroud. It's just I think you can get that for an average FBS team. You need a little bit of that playmaking instinct. And that's not to say C.J. Stroud doesn't have that. You know, he's just in a situation where he needs to be a facilitator, and he's a fantastic facilitator for that offense, right? I mean, he just needs to hit the open receiver. They have exceptional route runners there. They did last year. They still will this year. You know, they're good at scheming receivers open as well. You know, just kind of hitting that open receiver there and just being the facilitator of the offense right? And, and, you know, you really do see, I mean, this is a vertical passing offense, right? This is where those are the most passing concepts we see from this Ohio State team. I mean, really, that's kind of the, you look at passing concepts in general, most teams, your most used one is going to be vertical just because that's kind of the, its own big, broad bucket. But Ohio State pushes the ball vertically, and CJ Stroud's an excellent vertical passer. I think he's an excellent throw shaper. 
Um, I think there's some stuff he does have to work on just a little bit. And again, it's kind of being nitpicky a little bit. It's like he, he will get forceful from time to time. And it kind of shows up on a game to game basis. Nebraska's one, Michigan's one, but you know, those were kind of situations where he had to be, um, of course, early on in the year, um, Oregon was the one that popped up. I think he could be a little bit more consistent with his mechanics. And again, he had the fifth lowest rate, I think, if I recall correctly, fifth lowest rate of tight window throws last year um, in the entire Power Five, which is typical for Ohio State quarterback. And his accuracy rate improved dramatically from that first three-game stretch, sat out that game against Tulsa, and then the rest of the year. Um, obviously, I think the shoulder had a part of that. I also think he did clean up a little bit of his case, but I still want to see him kind of clean up his core a little bit. I want him to kind of use that. You know, he really does lack core control. There's too many finishes where, you know, think of a baseball pitcher, right? When he's releasing that ball, I mean, that's where you kind of see CJ Stroud from time to time. You can see the ball kind of sail a little bit. I think he can be a little bit more consistent and, you know, hit some of those easier misses. So I, I think we did see some growth too, just from throwing from, you know, going from first to second read last year and, you know, staying calm and being comfortable. And I will, I will say one of the most underrated things about him is his pocket presence. It's excellent. A lot of people will knock him for not running with the ball. He doesn't need to in this offense, right? I think he can do it. He just doesn't have to. He said that. But with Spencer Rattler, I think CJ Stroud's very talented, but I think Spencer Rattler's just a little bit more talented. You know what I mean? He has rare arm talent. I'm a really rare arm talent. And you look at what he did in 2020, he had a 9% big time throw rate, one of the highest in college football. This past year, CJ Stroud was very high in that category, but it was 6%. So, I mean, that's kind of the difference we're talking there. And I think Spencer Rattler, con on him, is kind of a strength for Stroud is just being willing to play inside the structure of the offense. You know, Spencer Rattler's kind of that gamer, but, you know, what, what he can do out of the pocket is special stuff, right? And I think what we did see in 2020 in the first start, and I almost want to throw out 2021 because I think there was a clear lack of um, trust between Lincoln Riley and Rattler. Because you, I mean, we could look at the data too, the heat maps, you can see there were less downfield opportunities called for Rattler in 2021 than 2020, because he wanted to be, he wanted Rattler, he was trying to force him to be a little, a little bit more willing to play inside the structure of the offense, you know, check the ball down, take what the defense gives him. It was interesting because Caleb Williams, that's his biggest weakness too. It's even more so than I think Spencer Rattler's is. And we did see that from time to time last year, the one being Kansas before he kind of saved the day at the end of the fourth quarter. Um, but again, I think what rather can do that kind of that playmaking ability, it's special. And I think that's just what puts me above you know, a little bit more than Stroud. And I think we will see a more, I would say, I'm not going to say he's complete, but I think we'll see a, a Spencer Rattler that is very much cleaned up in a pro style offense, um, which he will have at South Carolina. And I think that's where you're going to see the best of both worlds. And I think you're really going to see him excel down there uh, for Shane Beamer. So, again, it's splitting hairs. Like, I'm not going to say you're crazy for having CJ Stroud, Bob Rattler. I, everybody does. I'm the only one that does it. That's just my opinion. And even if you have CJ Stroud, number one, I can see a case for it. Right. But it, it's just kind of preference there. And I think you could probably I have Kayla Williams and Rattler right there. I really do think they're they're different quarterbacks just from like a physical profile sense but kind of the same in the way they play the game and the, just the upside they both have. And, and then I think Bryce Young, I think he's probably as complete as you can find, in, at least in college football right now, right? He's not like Trevor Lawrence complete the way he was a few years ago. He's like just a true freshman, but the only knocks you can really find with him are his size, which he can't really do much about. He can add some more muscle um, in his footwork, but the footwork's not an issue at the collegiate level and the NFL level. I guarantee if it doesn't change, or a year from now, we're going to hear all about it from anonymous scouts, right? Quarterback coaches hate his footwork, whatever. But that's the order I have. And again, I think that's kind of the clear, distinct elite tier um, of options that I would want to choose from. And I don't think you're crazy if you have Stroud number one. It's just preference there. He's a great quarterback. Okay. So now um, when those types of rankings come out and they're not yours, I think the assumption is from a lot of bucknutters is that People do that kind of stuff to get eyeballs because they know Ohio State's fans come in droves. So if you put CJ at number four, you're going to get some uh, some calling card action on that. I think everyone should understand, Anthony. This is his opinion. There's some of you who didn't even be weren't able to follow part of that. So this dude is looking at all the film. If you don't agree with him, that's fine. But this is not uh, 
I wanted you to do that first. So it's clear that you aren't just using the brand to drive up page views, which happens. And I'm sure you've seen that on in your, in your, among your uh, competition that sometimes they'll go for a headline with the Buckeyes in it to kind of draw eyeballs. And then when you get in there, it's not as harsh or you can see they were just lassoing you in for, uh, for those reasons. Let's move on to some of the other guys. Um, like I said, he's done, Anthony has done the top 25 at every uh, position. And there are several Buckeyes in there. I want to get to what turns out to be the strength of the team, according to your ranking, and that is offensive tackle. Uh, I think most people assume Paris Johnson would be the better of the two. You've got Paris Johnson moving to the left this year. Dewan Jones obviously starting on the right. Paris kicking out um, for the most part. They left uh, Nick Petit Frere run the left side last year. So Paris, a natural left tackle, obviously, you know, the blind side prototype number one guy in his class. From Cincinnati, by the way, possibly located near Mr. Tresh here. I don't want to get your Ohio ties in. We're going to start a whole new thing about how Cincinnati doesn't support the Buckeyes after the last one. So I don't want to even open another can of worms there. But you actually have Dewan Jones ranked as the number two overall tackle and Paris Johnson number five. That's two of the top five tackles in the United States. That's good stuff. Talk about those two guys. Uh, you may also be the only one who has Dewan ranked ahead of Paris. And uh, obviously we're splitting hairs of greatness here, but maybe uh, let people into how you got there. Yeah. I mean, if we were picking on like you have one player for the next five years, I would probably take Paris Johnson. I have no problem. I would take Paris Johnson. I think he's, he has a far higher ceiling. Um, But again, like we're looking at week one average team, who am I taking? And Dewan Jones, I think more than proven that he can be, he is, I think, one of the best, if not the best, run blocker in college football. I mean, he is he's actually the largest starter in college football. I looked it up, I was curious one day, and there's no one larger than him. He's six foot eight, three sixty. I mean, the guy's a, a mammoth out there. And it shows up in the run game. It was a huge asset last year. Now he's not the best pass protector, right? I mean, and that has to do with his size, right? When you're that large of a human being, you're gonna have some issues, especially with some of those more nimble guys, right? You're you have a tendency to play a little too high, but um, running a ball at the collegiate level is valuable. You know, I think a lot of people think PFF, they're like, oh, they don't like running backs. I don't think they should play the game or whatever. But at the NFL level, it's different than the collegiate level. The collegiate level, running the ball matters a lot. And if you have guys that can consistently make their blocks and, you know, not, you know, loop, blow up a play, that's very valuable. And that's Dewan Jones to me. With Paris Johnson, I mean, like you said, top five, you look at the entire FBS, and if you consider swing tackles, you have over 300 tackles you're evaluating. So fifth out of 300, it's pretty dang good. Um, you know, last year I thought he was he was better than I even thought he would be. You know, 16th in the Power 5 in PFF grade. And like you said, moving out to left tackle, that's where he's more natural there. I think he's going to excel there. And honestly, this entire, like, if we had to rank the positions just based off of strength, I would put running back, just just give an example. That's number one. That's the most talented position in college football, in my opinion. Tackle's probably near the bottom. Um, I think it's a little bit weaker. We also saw a couple of guys that maybe were played tackle, but they're moving inside just because, you know, from the NFL perspective, that's where they're going to get moved to. So they want to get action there and show they can play there. Um, Andrew Voorhees, USC, for example, he's won. Um, you know, for initial rankings, he was over – at tackle, new one, he's interior offensive line. He's more than likely sticking at guard. Um, and so I think tackle's a little bit weaker there. Um, but that's not to say that this is the best tackle duo in college football. I think Ohio State should be pretty excited with what they have because you look at some of the teams in the Big Ten, it's, it's really rough at that position. And honestly, some of the teams up top, I mean, that's going to be the make or break of really their season. Alabama, for example, I know they brought in Tyler Steen, the Vanderbilt transfer, but he's replacing Evan Neal top 10 pick and that's a pretty big difference there considering the rest of the state of the offensive line that could be an issue texas they have a high upside everyone's maybe saying they're a sleeper team but tackles are really really rough um so i mean that, that's a good good situation to have there for ohio state no question um and then the draft will be another uh adventure entirely because i'd be really surprised if either one of them was back at ohio state next year just based on what you said and uh their chance to shine this year. 
All right, let's flip it. I'm trying. Okay, let's talk running back. This is definitely not a projection of the pros because the guy you have at number one is five six. Um, you have Trayvon Henderson, I believe, two or three. Um, I'm not sure what needs to be seen from. I'd like to see a little more wiggle out of Travion. He is in a straight line. He's as explosive of a running back as I have ever followed. I mean, he gets zero to 60 in a heartbeat. Um, I'm not sure he breaks as many tackles as you'd like just yet, but you know, he's a young back who, you know, the pandemic kind of took his senior year of high school. Your thoughts on Travion. He is your second team. He's on second team all American, which is he's a top four back. Yeah, so, I mean, you mentioned Deuce Vaughn, pro projection. He is the exact reason why I said this is not a pro projection. I thought that would kind of even fly, but I was like, people are taking this the wrong way because right you on. see a graphic on Twitter, Deuce Vaughn. Like, yeah, I mean, he's going to get drafted, right? People are going to call him Jerome Sproles. We're going to hear that until he gets picked next April, but he's not going to be first round maybe when guys like Bijan sure. has a very good chance of being first round. But well, Being a first football, round draft to get running backs a challenge these days for anybody. Exactly, exactly, and rightfully so. But, you know, at running back in college football, Deuce Vaughn, more than proven, I, I think he would, if I pick in anybody, it's him. I think it, the reason well, – I'll go off before I hit on Trayvon Henderson. Like, the reason why running backs are valuable in college football is just you look at just the sheer talent, right? Like, Deuce Vaughn, electric player, exceptional athlete. He's going to be playing some guys that won't be playing football in a couple of years, right? They're going to be working another job. And in the NFL, you're playing against guys that are professionals. It's a completely different ball game. But when you have a guy that has the upper hand at the running back position, just from a pure physical talent perspective, just who you are as an athlete, it makes all the difference in the world. And that's where you can kind of get the value there. But with Travion Henderson, I thought last year, I mean, freshman, he was one of the most explosive backs in college football. And that makes me very excited for Ohio State and what they have there for the next couple of seasons with him. You know, like you said, true home run hitter, right? And I think what really impressed me last year was just his vision and his ability to set up blocks, right? You know, you do want to see him kind of kind of break the tackles on his own, but he is exceptional at kind of creating his own lanes. And I do think that, you know, one of the biggest issues you see with some of those younger guys just kind of giving up on a play pretty, I mean, they're not going to give up on a play. I probably right. shouldn't say that, but just kind of making an impact and fighting to keep going when something gets, when something goes off of the plan, but when Trayvon Henderson's out on the field, you know, we look at, you know, our, our, we developed a metric here, our R&D department led by Eric Eager, good friend of mine here, um, perfectly blocked and non-perfectly blocked run plays. You look at non-perfectly blocked run plays, which essentially is at least one blocker lost. They messed up, they blew up their assignment. Trayvon Henderson was the best in college football last year in the 5.9 yards per carry. The FBS average, 3.2, I recall correctly. Um, and, you know, everyone else, you have some other Big Ten backs there, but they're like 5.1, 5.2, and that's like the top five. So he's exceptional in that area. And, you know, I, I really do think that just given what he did last year, his first year there is quite impressive. So I, I really do think that if you told me he won the Doak Walker this year, would not be surprised in the slightest bit. I, if you told me he was in New York, would not be surprised. Yep. Yeah, he's got that kind of talent. He was the number one overall player in his position when they got him, and – that that speed he has is just rare speed. That's that's Olympic level speed. There's a difference. I know everybody says they run a four four, and you know most good most good guys with the stopwatch will not tell you what the time is because it's not going to be as high as it should be based on public interpretation. But that is a legitimate four three four 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 by one speed, and it's valuable. I I will say, out of all the college players, I haven't seen Travion yet. My hopes to see him soon. It just see him in person. Out of all the college players I've seen live, it's probably Justin Fields, Zeke Elliott, Aiden Hutchinson. I'd say that's the top three. I, the best I've ever seen. I'm in Big Ten country, so more Big oh, Ten sure. football than anything. Um, but I think Travion, if I'm getting a guess, he's probably going to get close to that top. I don't think he'll ever be Zeke in that Zeke was a unique breed a cat and that he was the best pass blocking running back I've ever seen and has done it again at the pro level. He was a rare breed of cat as the last time we hosted the title, by the way, who was the MVP. So things work out the way they should. All right, let's talk about Ohio state's current calling card. And that is wide receiver um, Jackson Smith, Najigba. you're actually now gone against the grain. Because you don't have the dude from LSU. I think it's Kayvon Boutte. Uh, 
above him. That might be a pro projection. And then um, nobody else in Ohio State's receiving core makes your top 25. You do, however, I will say this, to be fair to Anthony here, he's he has a breakout player section, I think, to address the guys who have the talent but haven't had the snaps yet, maybe, on film. Marvin Harrison makes that list. I could put a Mecca Egbuka on there as well. Um, I would not be surprised when all is said and done if a Mecca Egbuka is actually – I'm not going to say more talented than Jackson Smith and the Jigba, but he is a tremendous football player. But like everybody else, you have JSN number one, uh, like some other people. Um, just talk about the receiving the receiving core and what they're doing at Ohio State and just their overall talent level with Brian Hartline in there. If you're this close, I'm sure you're hearing plenty about it. Yeah, and you mentioned the guy from LSU, Keishon Butte. He's definitely one of the best. He's up there, top five on my list, you know, hurt right now hopefully he can get back on the field but yeah Jackson Smith and Jigba honestly you know I think I think back at that play what was a couple years ago against Nebraska that touchdown you in saw the end zone? yep you saw they the had to replay that we had to replay the feet yep even the yep. ref couldn't believe it yep it was, it was one of the best plays of the season and from that point on, I was like all right this guy's gonna be good you see some of the clips you see he's not a burner right he doesn't have that top end speed but he has that short area quickness he has the polish and he has the ball skills. We've more than seen that. And, you know, you, you hear, you know, what he did at high school. Those are some of the traits that stood out. And you pair him with the best wide receiver coach in college football, you get the most advanced wide receiver in college football, Jackson Smith and Jigba. So undoubtedly, I think he's the best, you know, and I think that's this, this one's different because like you can get some people that are going to argue it's either Jordan Addison, it's Butte, but honestly, I think there's a, I would argue to, to, you know, tomorrow morning that it's Jackson Smith and Jig, but he's the best wide receiver in college football. And you mentioned no other wide receiver crack the top 25. Like you said, if I do this ranking at the end of the season, I will. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's three in the top 10. You know, that's just how, you know, talented, but a little bit raw this is. Um, you know, I think Marvin Harrison Jr., he's one where, honestly, I would be surprised if he's not top 10. You did see just a little bit there. You know, when he was on the field last year, you saw just – you know, I'm not going to say he's going to be like his daddy. Obviously, that's a pretty big compliment to try to get there. But you saw so a very, yeah, you see all you saw a very advanced wide receiver, right? You saw the craftiness and just you know the the technique. It was just different for a guy that you see that gets a few snaps, right? Typically, you right. see a guy get yeah. a few snaps and they just they look lost out there. They're not ready. Marvin Harrison, he was like, I, you see it. He's yeah. he's getting there. He was just playing behind three first round wide receivers, right? Yeah. So. You know, I definitely am bullish on what he has to offer this year. Um, I think he's going to be an exceptional player for him. And like I said, I'd be surprised if he's not a top 10 player. So, I mean, it's you lose two guys to the first round, but this position group, it's it's still a very much a strength for Ohio State. You could make an argument they lost three because Jameson Williams transferred out. And um, that's a that, that I'm glad we didn't have you on for that. The Jameson Williams over Jackson Smith Najigba at all argument lit up our message boards nicely next last year. So, Oh, the transfer portal. Um, let's flip it to the defense. Actually. No, let's not. Let's start with the, uh, finish with the interior offensive line. I think this is really encouraging and I'm glad you, you mentioned this. If I had to say the most underrated player in Ohio state's football team right now, I might go with Luke Whipler, the center who was thrown into action early in his career. You have him as the number six center or number six interior offensive lineman across the board. Matt Jones at number 16. That's very impressive. Um, obviously, Donovan's a rookie, so he's not on there yet, freshman. But talk about Luke Whipler. Center is actually a glory position at Ohio State if you look at the lineage. Corey Lindsley just got paid. Um, there are guys before that who, who have made serious money in the NFL. So it's what's funny is Corey Lindsley actually sent in an application to a financial services company before the draft because he wasn't sure he was going to get drafted. If you want to know how things have changed under from Trestle onto Urban to Ryan Day. But Luke Whipler is on his way to be the next great Ohio State center. Yeah, I mean, strong, athletic, clean production. He was a top 15 graded player nationwide in the entire FBS at the position last year. And you just look at the, you know, returning talent there. I mean, we work pretty closely with the Rubinson Trophy. You know, with getting that, you know, semifinalist list all, you know, worked out there and helping him pick the preseason watch list. I mean, Whipler was definitely at the top of the conversation, right? Immediately threw his name up there. He's one of the top guys there. So it's definitely a strength there. 
Um, and, you know, you look at the guard spots, I think this is where I don't want to say it's like concerning at all. Like, I don't think it's going to ever be a point where you, if Ohio State hypothetically drops a game, you're going to point to the guard and say, they're the reason why I lost, right? I think they're probably, their floor is a little bit lower. They still have a high ceiling, but their floor is lower than some of the other positions on offense. You know, obviously, I think you mentioned Jones. He's on the list. I think he's, you look at the offensive line the way it's set up, and it's Dewan Jones and both of the Joneses, they have the same strengths, and I think they have the same weaknesses. Um, and I think Jackson and Paris Johnson kind of have this similar, eh, kind of similar strengths, but similar weaknesses, right? Um, Jones, he's going to provide value in the run game, but the pass protection, what we did see last year, he kind of did look just lost out there. I think everything's got to improve with him, right? Awareness, hand usage, it's got to improve. Um, Jackson, I mean, he's just a, a raw specimen, right? He has absurd traits, very long, very long limbs. I mean, superb length. I think the biggest thing from what we did get to see just a little bit, it was very limited. He did get a little overzealous, right? Just which you see that from time to time with some of those physically gifted young players, right? They're just eager to put some, uh, just put a guy on the ground, right? And they kind of lunge and get the nose over the toes and kind of get you off balance a little bit. But I think he'll work on that. Um, so I think those guys are interesting. Again, high ceiling, but I think their floor might be a little bit lower than some of these guys. But overall, I think this, a lot of people just ridiculed this Ohio State offensive line last year. And I think you point to the Michigan game, but that's, that was one of the best pass rush duos that I've seen, right? Yeah. That we've really seen here at the DFF college era. Most of the offensive lines in college football over the last five years would have had, would have been the same thing, right? They would have had the same sure. story there, but I think it was a good offensive line last year. I think they can be an elite offensive line this year. Nice blend of kind of uh, veteran experience and um, youthful excellence. Like, you know, like you said, Johnson and Jackson are probably the best pro prospects in the group. Um, and we're, you know, first team McDonald's all American types. All right. We're going to take a quick break for those on the podcast. What's my time here? Good Lord. We are crushing it today. 31. I'm going to have to give Anthony some extra cash for this, for this visit. Um, eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love. You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back. So let's talk now. Let's flip to the defense. The biggest question I have is uh, cornerback Denzel Burke. Go. Yeah. So forming the top 25 corners list was tough because I think it's really top heavy. And then you could say the difference between like the fourth best guy and even the 35th is marginal. And then when you look at the cornerback position, it's so volatile. Just because a guy was elite last year does not mean they're going to be elite this year a la Derek Stingley Jr. Injuries can pop up. There's some guys on there that have had some, you know, bumpy paths so far in their collegiate careers, but they kind of turned some stuff around. Again, I think kind of the true elite guys like Eli Ricks was number one, uh, Alabama, yeah, former LSU Tiger, transferred to Alabama this offseason. Oh, we know. So, yeah, yeah, Cam Smith, uh, South Carolina corner, which when I first put out the list, nobody was talking about him. Now everybody has him as a top 10 prospect. Um, in terms of draft, but I think he's an elite player there for the Gamecocks. And then Clark Phillips, which the pro potential stuff. Yeah. that yeah. One time I mean, Ohio state commitment, Clark Phillips. I know I had to mention those guys. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to they, you know, pull up some old wounds there for Ohio state fans, but yeah, I mean, those are the kind of the top three. I think Denzel Burke, again, if you told me he's top five at the end of the year, would not be surprised. Right. And I think really? he's kind of the, He's kind of follows the same suit as Trayvon Henderson, where it was just shocking at how well he performed as a true freshman. 
I mean, this was a guy that was getting recruited to play wide receiver by some schools, right? He was not, he was just still learning how to play corner. He was not I believe his, I believe they listed him as an athlete. Like yeah, he he, as a corner. yeah, he was not supposed to play corner last year, right. but they had to out of necessity and not allowing a single touchdown with 10 combined pass breakups plus an interception. I mean, that's remarkable stuff. Um, I, I think, too, what excites me about this cornerback room with him and Cameron Brown is that, you know, they're going to – so I could talk a lot about the defensive scheme changes they're going to have. I mean, it's completely different under Jim Knowles and what it has been in the past. I mean, opposite ends of the spectrum. But, you know, a lot of people think, okay, we used we play single high all the time. We used to. And now we're not. It's We're not going to play that much man coverage anymore. When you're actually – Ohio State's going to be playing more main coverage. They're going to be playing probably like, I would say over 10% more than what they've normally played. And a lot of that has to do with a small increase in cover one because with those safety rotations that they have there when they do rotate, it's you're, sometimes it's pretty popular with that three high system that you're going to you know end up rotating to play cover right. one. Uh, but also there's a high rate of cover zero there. So you need elite man corners. And these guys are man cover corners, right? That's where they excel. Denzel Burke, I think that speaks, that's a testament to also his receiver background and just his overall athleticism. But Cam Brown, last year, I mean, that was just where he was more natural, right? You look at the numbers, um, I think it was eight targets in man coverage, one reception allowed, five forced incompletions. Cam Brown's a, a man covered corner. He's very, he's great mirror ability, um, especially when he's playing that soft shoe press. He's exceptional. And I think that's what excites me about, you know, possible improvement from this cornerback room. Um, and I think that the sky's the limit for them this year. Um, so again, I think this is a, a group where, you know, it's not definitive as far as what we're going to see, but I'm confident that they're going to get there by the season's end. And I'm not going to be surprised if, you know, even though they weren't there, you know, in the top of that ranking, if they kind of etch their way closer to that. Yeah. There's no linebackers in the group. Shocker. That's not shocking at all. And then for the defensive line, you've got Marvin Harris and Marvin Harrison. I knew I was going to do that. Zach Harrison at number seven, and then Jack Sawyer on your breakout list, and Tyleek Williams is on your breakout list and is also ranked somewhere. Just talk about their defensive line. I know Harrison was supposed to be the next in line. To, he's supposed to be the next, you know, Chase Young and Bosa, and he has not materialized as that. This is just my opinion, but in order for Ohio State to win the national championship, some defensive line or the group is going to have to crank it up a notch. If you look at when Ohio State's really been, really been a title threat, they've had a top five defensive end out there to just, they're almost like erasers. They just, you can make a lot of mistakes and this guy will just clean them up for you. I thought you made a a point on Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, what they did for Michigan last year, completely different outfit. Michigan came in here with, the number one defense before, but not that kind of talent. And Ohio State carved them up into shreds. So uh, the fact that they had those guys made a huge difference. I really think if it's JT Tuamolau or Jack Sawyer, I don't think Zach Harrison has that upside, but I think they need someone into the, you know, I just remember on third and long, it was Bosa time. They need someone who like on third and long, fear is established. And I don't think they've had that. Do they have a chance to have it this year? Yeah, so, I mean, this is also, like, a good conversation as to far, like, a lot of people may wonder, why did why was the old defense working for so long and then it stopped working? It's because you didn't have a Chase Young anymore. You didn't have one of the Boses. You didn't have a Jeff Akuda, too, paired with that, right? When you don't have those truly, truly elite, like, special top 10 player, top five player elite guys at corner and on the edge, then it makes stuff complicated when you're saying, you're telling the offense, hey, you know what we're going to run here, but right. we have better players and we're just going to beat you anyway. You need to be a little bit more deceiving if you don't have those kind of guys. That's why it's really not working. I think you look at this, this defense front. I'm not going to say any of these guys are going to be like a Chase Young or Bosa, but you, you talk about Aiden Hutchinson. Like the difference between like at the power five level, and this is where it also differs from the NFL and even the group of five, having an elite pass rusher is the same as having an elite corner. It, what happens with the pass rush on a given pass play, it will – the output of a pa- the pass rush can explain what happens on a given pass play just as much as the output of a corner, right? I mean, because when you have those game wreckers that are just, again, it goes back to why the running backs matter in college football. Sure. It's just when you have the guys that are different, 
like Young and Bosa. levels just succeeds. Yeah, I mean, you can destroy an opposing, opposing offense's entire game plan. They, right there, just lost. We saw it with Chase Young and Northwestern. <laughs> they had to do everything differently. They didn't know what to do. Um, with this group, Ohio State has, you see a lot of potential there. It's just really not proven. And I, Zach Harrison, I think he's just, we know what he is at this point. Yep. He definitely was at one point the guy that, man, what could he be? But I think at this point, we kind of know what he is, which is a very good pass rusher, a very good edge defender in general in college football. But he's just, he's hit or miss far so just so much at this point where you're kind of expecting just inconsistency. He's consistently inconsistent, right? right. I mean, over half of his game, less than a couple pressures um, generated. But, you know, you have those moments where it's seven or eight pressures, right? And, you know, that's where you still have that elite, you know, production there. He's not getting a lot of sacks, but he's winning quite often, but still – there's too many games where he disappears. He's long and explosive, again, toolsy, but at this point, you kind of know what he is. And you look at the other guys, though, that's where you can kind of get some excitement there. Um, for me, I really like Tyleek Williams, the interior mm-hmm. defensive lineman. He's, I think, could be one of the best in college football, regardless of position. He was one, too, kind of like Henderson and Burke, where true freshman last year, it's almost it's rare to see defensive linemen just hold their own. Right. Yeah. I mean, let alone look a little bit advanced like Tyreek Williams did just the upper body strength and also the, the hand placement. I thought it was well advanced, you know, well beyond his years. I mean, he had some he showed that game wrecking ability. Um, I'm not going to say he's going to be like Jalen Carter, at Georgia, that who's going to be a game record this year for the Bulldogs. But I think he has high, high, high potential. I think higher than anyone else in this defensive front, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it gets interesting everywhere else. I mean, obviously you mentioned Jack Sawyer. I had him on the breakout list. You could put JT in there too. Um, it just kind of all depends what the pecking order ends up being, right? I mean, Sawyer, his career up to this point, it's just it's been tough break after tough break for him, you know, losing your senior season, torn ACL, all that stuff. Um, but again, you kind of see it. You saw it in the spring game, you know, what he could possibly be. Mm-hmm. You know, he had that nice spin move um, for a pressure. But I think, you know, with these guys, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a slower start, you know, for the beginning of the season. But throughout the year, it just keeps getting stronger and stronger. Um, And, you know, I'm curious to see how Sawyer and JT kind of um, develop throughout the season. But Tyler Williams, out of everybody, he's the one that I get really excited about. Look, our standards are just very high here at defensive end. It's not common to – follow up the Bosa brothers, you know, with a chase young, let's just, if you go back and look in history, it's very difficult to get that many elite defensive ends on your team at one time. And then I think we got, we, I'm not going to say we took it for granted, but that was a nice long stretch there where every game you started, you knew you had that guy out there. It's like, it makes you sleep better at night and you kind of don't realize it till it's gone. The opposing offenses did. I can tell you that much. Um, all right, let's, let's talk about, Ohio State versus the field here. Where do you see Ohio State versus the Big Ten? And where do you see Ohio State in the national championship picture? And then we'll take whatever questions I didn't uh, manage to take myself. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned up top, they're a top two team nationally, right? I mean, if I if you told me, like, you had to pick college football playoff, I would probably take a pin out and put Alabama and Ohio State. Everything else is a pencil. Um, I think I'm pretty confident with those two teams. I'm leaning Bama over Ohio State, but I think that pass rush factor is pretty important when, it, especially against that Alabama team. I think Bryce Young is the best quarterback in terms of just making plays when knocked off rhythm and just the overall processing ability that he possesses. It's really rare, um, but that's not to say you can get some slip ups from time to time. And that's more of like a you know if they make it to the national championship, then you can preview that, but. Um, I think those two teams, I think, are the the top two, and I think there's a pretty significant drop-off after them. Um, As far as the Big Ten goes, I mean, they're obviously the overwhelming favorite. Um, Honestly, the only only way they're going to get dethroned this year is if there's just a big-time breakout with one of the other top teams. If you look at Michigan, it's got to be at quarterback, and they're going to have probably another two-quarterback system, Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy – two completely different quarterbacks, Cade McNamara, he's a safe game manager, and that's okay. But you look at J.J. McCarthy, he's they got that ceiling. He's got special ability, just the, the dual threat ability, 
um, the arm talent. It's truly special stuff with what he can offer. But can he kind of be a complete decision maker? I think he can be. There was a play against Georgia, just one throw, and it tweeted it out. People can find it. They just search my name, McCarthy. Um, but, you know, with the way Georgia was playing, you saw it. You know, he understands the game. So that could be a big deciding factor there. And then after that, I mean, honestly, is Graham Mertz going to, like, be good? I don't think so. Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, the last dates, I would be kind of surprised if it's not there, if Big Ten's not theirs. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a top two kind of race at this point. You never know who's going to pop up. Clemson, can they turn it around? Can DJ Uyunglele turn it around? I don't think he will. It goes to Cape Cod. Can he be Trevor Lawrence? I'm not going to ever assume anybody's ever going to be Trevor Lawrence, even if it's the same team and same recruiting status. Can Texas, can Quinn Ewers be everything he was hyped up to be? He's in a great situation, I think, in terms of just receiving core. Um, again, I mentioned tackle's an issue, but again, it's a pretty big ask to just assume this guy's going to be the best quarterback in the country. Um, USC, boomer bust team, Utah, can Cam Rising be – more than a great quarterback because if they want to contend with Ohio State, he's going to have to be spectacular, one of the best in college football. So, um, yeah, I think it's a top two race. But, again, I think just everything that I kind of mentioned, that's what makes this college football season so interesting. I think we're in for a lot of surprises this year, kind of like what we were last year. This is going to shock you, but uh, most of the comments are anti-Spencer Rattler comments, and there's no chance I'm going to put those up here. Um, but I think we, I think I'm happy to say that I think we hit everything that everyone has on here. Um, it's interesting. In terms of the draft, do you have any contact with that? Do you have any vibes on that? Do you see? Uh, I mean. This time next year, Ohio State's been very fortunate in that uh, we tend to have a lot of Thursday night action. Um, it's changed. Last year was more about receivers. This year, I think uh, you got a very good chance that Jackson Smith Najigba is picked real high. Draft-wise, um, if you were ranking the quarterbacks and the receivers, how would you do it? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I mean, springtime, that's draft time, you know, down there in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. I mean, I'm definitely ingrained in that. Jackson Smith and Jake was the most confident projection on Ohio State. I think he's right now, if I had to rank a big board, you know, put that together, he's a top 10 prospect, arguably a top five prospect. Obviously, I'm not going to say he's going to be a top 10 pick, especially at the receiver position, but I think he has a very good chance to be there. Um, I think there's a pretty interesting race for that wide receiver one spot, but I think he's definitely in the best. And you see it as him, one sec, you see it as him and Butte. I think him and Butte, um, you're going to get Jordan Addison in there. You could, I think you could have some dark horses, Quentin Johnston from TCU. He's got a really rough quarterback situation. He's different from Jalen. A lot of people are going to be like, Oh, what happened to Jalen Rager? It didn't turn out so well, but he's different from Jalen Rager and what he has to offer. He's pretty rare in terms of just the size and speed that he has to offer. Um, I, I really do think that he could possibly bank the push for it. But again, I think I would be pretty surprised if it's not Smith and Jigba, Boutte, or Addison is the, one of the first wide receivers off the board. But again, a lot can change. I know how say fans, you know, when you say, but like Jameson Williams, for example, a lot can change. You know, sure. I, I think it's kind of a wild card there. Um, everyone, as terms of quarterbacks, like, I know that list, I said it's not a pro projection, but honestly... Bryce Young, Rattler, and Stroud. Like those, if I had to say, you, you know, be comfortable with placing them in a top 32 of a big board, those are the only three quarterbacks that I'm comfortable with putting in the top 32. Um, I've seen the Will Levis of Kentucky hype, uh, Phil Dracovic of Boston College, Anthony Richardson of Florida, Tanner McKee of Stanford. Those guys have a ton to work on. I. It's fascinating to me that everybody hates Spencer Rattler, but they love Will Levis. Everybody, Will Levis is what, like, every, like what Spencer, Rat, like he wishes he could be Spencer Rattler from just, he's just, Spencer Rattler's somewhere far advanced, right? They're just, you have a guy that's pretty similar, but a little bit further along, and you just kind of want to kick him to the curb. And I think a lot of that has to do with, like, the the made-up stories from a personality aspect, you know, the, the Netflix documentary, whatever. I was just going to say that. I was yeah. just going to, his narrative was bad from the start. They think he's a prima donna. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, there's nothing people love more to do than just to group up on one person and hate on them for some reason, right? That, that everybody loves to do it. I believe that's called Twitter. Yep, it's Twitter. It's not a real place. 
Um, but you know, I'm on there a lot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's fascinating. Um, but again, a lot can change with the quarterback situation. We saw it last year. Um, but you know, I think those three guys, if I had to do a top 32, there's the only ones that I think are close. I could see why people are infatuated with some of the other guys, but again, I think they all have significantly more issues to work on. All right, people, I'm going to cut it off there. We had Anthony for 49 minutes and I will guarantee you this. When he agreed to do this, he did not expect to be on here for 49 minutes. So we appreciate it greatly. He, uh, look, these are his opinions, man. He's watching the film. We had some questions on here. Does he watch the film? That was one thing I can guarantee you. You can see that I'm in a more well-lit room. He's in a dark room with windows open just now in the film room. These guys, you may not agree with it, but you cannot knock the hustle. Uh, PFF it's, has gone behind the scenes big time. Like you said, um, I'm not, I think people think PFF is an, is a Twitter handle rather than a, a large company that does this. And like you said, the, the lion's share of their effort is done behind the scenes. Kind of like how we have scouting Ohio and Mark Porter and 90% of that is going by payment to college football teams. So we really appreciate Anthony stopping by. Hopefully he will not read any of the comments about, some of the stuff that he said so that he may have any interest in coming back. So Anthony, we really appreciate it, man. And uh, we'd love to have you back maybe midway through the season to check on your rankings. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate all the kind words. It's uh, I'm used to it. I got thick skin at this point. And honestly, I, I trust me guys. I watched the film um, yeah, with our database. It's the easiest way to watch film on the entire planet. If I didn't utilize that, I would be, just a horrible human being. I watch film religiously. That's what I do in my free time. Ask my fiance. She hates yeah. it. But anyway, thank you for having me on. I enjoyed it. Ohio State, got to say, I think they're one of my favorite fan bases. Definitely passionate. There's no doubt about it. They call them buck nuts for a reason or buck nutters for a reason. It's not buck rational observer. We appreciate Anthony stopping by. Have a great day, buck nutters. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.